And I'm Allie. And it's About Time for True Crime. Hi. Hey. How are you? Oh, just lovely. And yourself? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Good? How's your day? You drive? Your work day? Your workout? Your makeup? Yeah, are you are you getting ready? Like, that's what I do when I'm... Actually, okay. I think I said this before, but my thing is now, true crime podcasts make me clean my house. Yeah. Like, if I want to listen, I'm like, clean, bitch. You got to work, bitch. <laughs> so, I've you decided... You want to enjoy this? You better hate some other part of your life right yes. now. But the thing is, is like, when I listen to podcasts, I just feel like I'm hanging out with a group. Like, I'm hanging out with, with friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, I'm just like, okay, well, then, like, let's all clean my house. Yes. <laughs> Like, Amazing. it's a group project. Girl, your sink looks fab. It's like, it's, it's like a group project. And like always, I'm doing all the work. Right. There's and no I difference. And I will just attach my name to it. Thank you. And this just works out. So I'm yeah. like, you know what? Uh, so I do that also when I'm getting ready. Also when I'm driving. Yeah. I'm, I used to have a very, very short commute. Like, under 10 minute short commute. And I now drive a lot more. Which has meant my audiobook and podcast game is fucking on lock. It is so good. And it like for me, it depends what I'm in the mood for. Because if I want to hear something almost like dramatically told. Yeah. And not have a whole lot of input and have everything like so scripted, then I'm going to listen to an audiobook. If I want something that is organic and genuine and I want to hear different perspectives and like some levity in between that I'm like, I need to find a podcast that's going to have that kind of style. That's my preference. Obviously, that's pretty much like what we have here. Right. That we don't have this like super dramatic retelling of like and all this shit with music. And while I think some podcasts rock that. That's never been our No, I'm vibe lucky for this. when I get like a well done, well placed sound effect, you know? <laughs> we high five over that shit. We really do. As you can tell, this is a two woman show. We write everything, we produce everything, we do all our social media, all of that stuff. So for us, the little things are really big wins that other people might just like hire an entire extra person to do. <laughs> or somebody else just does it for them and right. everything goes. But like, I find myself not even enjoying podcasts that have like so much extra jazz because then i just find myself hipping skip like skip 15 skip 15 and i'm just like how many different get me to the next piece of info like how many different times can i skip this where i'm not worried i'm gonna miss something you know what i mean right i think there's just different things that you're in the mood for like i like a long podcast episode i don't want the highlights i want no, i want the, the story details. give me the details do the research because otherwise if it's the wikipedia page i can read that yeah and guess what so has every other podcast that's done it so <laughs> i need i need you to work for it you gotta work bitch <laughs> that's the theme here work, work 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 but anyway yeah i was just wondering because at least for me now driving is primarily where i'm listening but i want to know where you're listening i'm like a little creep that way what are you doing I pulled ah. up to Dunks this morning and I had my fucking true crime podcast like blasting. Yes. And I was like, let's pause that. I'll get a caramel iced coffee regularly. <laughs> Medium. Thank you. And she was like cream only. And I was like, fuck you. Regular. regular. I was like, can you see me? Are you saying I don't need the sugar? You bitch. You bitch. No, I, I love, look great. I love my Dunkins. 
America runs on Duncan. You know? I I certainly do. I've been running on Starbs a little bit lately, but I'm trying to. Cut I don't it so have much. eight bucks burning a hole in my pocket. Same, but the thing is, when I have to drive three hours a day to go to a training in another state again, and my car doesn't break down, I'm like, huh, it's almost like $900 cheaper to just get my coffee on my little way. <laughs> okay, you make a good point. But anywho, so I'm really excited to tell you about this one, because it was actually recommended, it was suggested by one of our very own ATFTC fam. Hey. Um, hey. So thanks to Bethany for suggesting this. I'm really excited. I looked into it and I was like, oh, I could do this. And then I got into the deets and I was like, oh, my God, I got to do this. So I'm really excited about it. It's definitely going to be a little bit of a longer take. But just as a reminder to you all, we love suggestions and we do look at all of them. I know that sometimes we can go a little bit of time in between doing recommended cases, but usually that's because we're so excited about the ones on our little to-do list that we have to wait for an opportunity to come up for us to do another one. So We do keep a running tally of all of the ones that you guys suggest to us, so don't think that it's gone ignored. It is on our list. We just have different things that we're sort of working through and then yeah. we got to, I don't know, it, I think Abby is the same way, but for me when I'm researching something, like if I'm not into it i'm not going to talk about it because they the the victims and the people involved in the case that we're talking about deserve every ounce of attention and every oh, yeah. ounce of like our dedication into researching and if it's not something that i'm in the headspace for at the time i table it and i come back because i've got to be like if it's too much and it's almost like too emotional and i'm like oh i need a minute yeah kellyanne bates Ooh, yeah. wrecked me that was one that i waited on no it's so true and honestly like if I'm not feeling it, I know I'm not going to do as good of a job as I want to do. Mm -hmm. So it really added when I saw all of this and I was like, oh my gosh. what a case. I cannot wait because I saw that recommendation come in and I saw you respond and I was like, okay. You're like, okay. I'm intrigued, but I looked up nothing about it because I didn't want to know anything. So thank you, Bethany, for... Good, good reaching out and suggesting this and yes thanks girl and thanks for saying that we could say hey i also want anybody listening to know that we do that with permission we don't just like put y'all on blast for nothing yeah if you don't want to be mentioned um we didn't get anything from you yes but i will say i found this case very intriguing it is heartbreaking and honestly i find it rather infuriating Ooh. infuriating no infuriating that was right I think you'll all have some good takeaways from it, but it's going to be a bumpy ride. Here's a fun reminder that participating in our Insta polls can get you a shout out exactly like this and a case Ooh. that you're looking for. So, hey, uh, before we totally get into it, I do just want to talk about a few of my favorite things. The first is Pod Pod Ad Hoc. Please review, give us a five star rating wherever you listen, follow, tell a friend, look at our Instagram. That's always linked in the link tree below, babies. Share. Share it. It always boosts our morale. If you look on Spotify and you scroll down, you can always see a Q&A of what you thought. You can also usually find a poll that we've put up. Um, so just play around a little. Take a look. Not only does it boost morale, but it really does help us grow the little ATFTC fam that we have. And Allie and I have literally talked at nauseam about it to everyone we know, which means all of our growth right now is coming from you guys. And we're so grateful and we love to see it. So cool. But thank you for everyone who has. And as always, we love, 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 love our little ATFTC fam. 
The second thing that I love to talk about are my trigger warnings and my sources. So my sources, I used a few that I wanted to talk about, but of course they're always linked below. I have a full page of resources on this one, so it'll be a Google Doc again. But just as a little tidbit of what I used, I looked at articles from the LA Times, the New York Times, the Guardian, the Sun Times, CBS, CrimeWire, and a billion others. I also watched quite a few podcasts on YouTube about it. Um, Murder With My Husband did a phenomenal case cover of this one. I really like them. And if they ever listen, hey, thanks. Murder With My Husband? Yes. Okay. It's so cute. It's this married couple and they'll sit down and she basically just sits and reads cases the way that we do to each other. And he's like, whoa, what? Huh? And he (laughs) just reacts all the time, which is great. But they do a little YouTube video version of it. And I think they're on other places. Ooh. But they also read off their sources like we do, which makes me feel confident that they actually research their cases beyond Wikipedia, which is a big deal to me. Yeah. I always get a little like, ooh, when they're not listed because I'm yeah. like, but you didn't just know that. Yeah. Where? <laughs> because the other thing Who told too, you? in like the best way, we are all well intended, I think. But that way, if something's wrong, it also kind of covers your ass that you're not just making shit up. Like, yeah, if one of my sources gets it wrong, I'm going to feel bad for sharing misinformation. But at least I'll know that I didn't create it. You know, exactly. So anyway, if you're ever like, hmm, what is that? You can go to our sources. You got all of them all the time, always. So now I do want to talk about trigger warnings because today's case is tough. Uh, Today we will be discussing some sensitive topics, including murder, as you may imagine, torture, late stage cap, but also Nepo babies and annoying men, if that's a trigger for you, which it is for me sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) But we're going to get into it because lastly, I want to put myself on blast. Okay. I, <laughs> I tend to do this and I, I honestly have no issues with it. But today I want to expose my inner tween to you all. <laughs> oh be, my God. Be kind because she needs it. But Abby Clown Shoes is coming in here. I know. Seventh grade with my fucking size 10 Converse. She's just clogging around. I know. Clop, clop. But I love <laughs> the arts. <laughs> yeah. My dad is a musician. Hi, dad. My brother's a musician. I used to play a lot of music, certainly nowhere near as professionally as they do, but it has always been a passion, and it should come as no surprise, likely, that I am like a closeted theater kid. I'm not like a theater kid, TM, but I like them. I just like them secretly from a closet in so many ways. So (laughs) (laughs) From from over here. From over here, yes. But this case made me think of the movie and later turned musical The Waitress so many times. If you haven't seen it, it is essentially a, well, I think of the movie more than the musical, even though I love Sarah Bareilles and the score that she did for it. But primarily, it's this story of a small town woman who ends up getting pregnant with her abusive husband's child. Mm -hmm. And the musical itself is her dealing with this pregnancy and wanting to escape this super unhealthy marriage and also her controlling husband losing control and sort of freaking out with regards to that but also add in like a secret affair with her gyno oh my which is wild great film great musical score haven't seen it in person but 
This made me think of it so much. And I wanted to put it on blast because that we're going to talk about some of my favorite topics today, which is arts, murder, and nepotism babies who think they can do a lot more than they can. I said it. Okay. Um, (laughs) Now, before we totally jump in, let's talk about why it matters. Because what happened in this crime was not an accident. It was not negligent. It was malicious. And when we talk about crimes, I think the mens rea or intent for any of you non-field folk is so often overlooked. While there are very few exceptions, 99% of the time to be found guilty of a crime, you have to intend to commit that crime. That has to be your purpose. And for particular charges like murder, how much knowledge and intent will determine the severity of the charge like manslaughter versus murder, I think it's really important to talk about. Because I will always advocate for our system to get better and encourage digestible changes and solutions to the consistent issues we see rise. I have no issue criticizing either where do, but primarily because I have a master's in it and I feel confident enough to know I know what I'm talking about. I tend not to criticize things I don't know. Mm -hmm. That seems smart. But to talk about this, we just need to talk briefly about money because per the usual, Allie and I are not a political place. We don't talk about politics. We don't talk about things that you can find literally everywhere else where everybody is spewing their opinion at you 25-8 from a never-ending planet of stupid. You this know? is a safe place where we're never going to throw politics in your face because I feel like this is like the last place left that it's not happening. Truly. So anything that I share is merely educational. I don't want this to be taken as me advocating for any campaign or politics, but it relates to today's case, and that's why I want to talk about it. Of course, unless you're talking about an in-depth debate and discussion on economics, politics, and other systemic problems, I'll happily direct you to like Reddit or literally anywhere else, but not here. (laughs) Yeah, if you want to fight with people, go there. Now, I want to talk to you about privilege within the criminal justice space because oftentimes we see people getting advantages, bonuses, and privileges that other people don't get simply because of their placement in our socioeconomic class, Mm -hmm. basically. And some examples of Nepo babies, which would be babies that are born to wealthy or prominent people and then get advantages from that, are important today. So we're going to talk about just a few examples, like Haley Bieber, who you might know is uh, Haley Baldwin, or the daughter of one of the Baldwin brothers. She's the, I shouldn't know this, she's the niece of Alec Baldwin. Okay, Her okay. dad is... The other Baldwin. No offense, sir. Her dad is Stephen Baldwin. Ah, yes. Okay. I didn't just have to look that up. So... Haley Baldwin or Jack Quaid, who is the son of Dennis Quaid and fucking Meg Ryan. Okay, but what a combo. Jack Quaid is so good in the boys. He is. He's amazing, but still a Nepo baby. Correct. Yeah. There's a family you're not talking about. Correct. There's quite a few. Okay. <laughs> um, and not all Nepo babies are bad. Exactly. Like our friend Jack Quaid here. Uh, there's also Dan Levy, who co-created Shit's Creek with his father, Eugene Levy. Also making him a Nepo baby. I would absolutely die if I could hang out with Dan Levy. Right. Honestly, him or Jack Quaid. Jack Quaid sounds dope. Like <laughs> If I could go to the bar with both of them. <gasps> oh, imagine. And bring you. <gasps> oh. Okay. Anyway. Wow. 
I now know my answer to whenever someone's like, if you could have a dinner party and invite four people, who would it be? (laughs) Well, three. Anyway. Well, personally, I have no issues with Nepo babies being a thing in general, because I think if you're a parent, you want to give your children the best. Mm -hmm. I have issues when Nepo babies and particularly very wealthy people get off without any accountability, responsibility or consequences for actions because they can pay it off. You know damn well that if I committed a crime and some guy like billionaire committed the same crime, your girl can't afford a hundred thousand dollar fucking attorney. Nope, but he can. But he sweetenly can. Yep. And I have lots of feelings about this that are far too in depth to get into about this when we have much more pressing matters at hand for today's episode. But I just wanted to make this known that it doesn't go over my head that where you see money, you see advantages in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Unfortunately, we see this in a lot of places, including much of at least the background of today's case. So I want to talk about Yana Cassian. And I think technically the pronunciation is Yana Cassian. But I'm going to say Cassian because I am what? Western. So... <laughs> We'll get it wrong no matter what. Yeah. I will say I'm proud of myself for looking up Yana because it looks like Iana in a lot of sources. But that's just because the Cyrillic alphabet has one letter for two letters of R's. So <laughs> uh, things you only know when you studied Russian. Um, I did want to spend a brief moment for a few reasons. First, we're talking Hollywood type horror today. Nepo Baby not sold separately. But before we jump in, I also want to talk about a beautiful woman named Yana Cassian. Here's why. Yana was born on January 27th, 1986 in Kiev, Ukraine to her mother, Olga. Mm-hmm. She also had a father whose name I could not find anywhere, but he was around for her childhood. Okay. When you think of immigrants who work their asses off to get to America in pursuit of the American dream or whatever is left of it at this point... I want you to think of Yana. Yana, while being born in Ukraine in fucking 1986, which, by the way, meant before she was even six months old, Yana had experienced the Chernobyl nuclear power plant explosion that had happened, demolishing people, land, animal life alike, and plants, to the point that Chernobyl is still not inhabitable. And according to the scientists working with Chernobyl data, etc., and things that I don't understand about fucking nuclear physics, that means it won't be inhabitable for another 22,000 years. Ugh. So that happened before she was one. rut And that's if all goes well. Mm. Yeah. Although optimistically, it does seem to be doing okay. Just like a little tangent here. Plants are returning and growing through like new abandoned cities in Chernobyl, which is pretty cool to see photos of. It's like very dystopian. But anyway, I'm not entirely sure how nuclear radiation impacts plants and how plants survived that. But I found a bunch of cool resources on it that I otherwise would have never found. So thank you again, Bethany, because this is going to be my new hyperfixation. Anyhow, so... (laughs) If you do want to look into it, though, I do have one of the sources of pretty far up <laughs> because I thought you'd be interested. It's so fascinating. Chernobyl was a nuclear power plant that exploded and killed 30 people, which resulted with radiation poisoning, killing up to potentially 6,000 more. 
So the actual explosion was awful, terrible, yes, but it's the greater effects of that radiation poisoning oh, of course. that has killed so many people and is what makes that city uninhabitable currently. Once again, I'd like to thank nurses because we do not deserve you. <laughs> um, period. If you want to cry out of appreciation for nurses, I am begging you to watch the Chernobyl documentary on HBO with Jared Harris. Amazing. All right. Chef's kiss. That being said, Yana and her family didn't have it easy from the fucking start. If that whole paragraph about one disaster that she experienced before six months old can tell you anything, life in Kiev, Ukraine in the 1980s was not easy. I found it incredibly difficult to get names for all of Yana's family. But again, I know she grew up with her mother, her father, and her sister. I also know that Yana's father was a sailor, but that's really all the info I have on him, which makes me pretty sad. After she immigrates over, it pretty much narrows down to just Yana and Olga, who's her mother. Mm-hmm. So Olga was a fucking go-getter, okay? Amidst not only the health and societal concerns of growing up a child immediately post-Chernobyl in Ukraine and Western Russian areas, the economy was wrecked. Not only because there wasn't much of one at all, by the way, but because money that might have gone to fun or luxuries ended up being needed to help the masses of health concerns, relocation, restructuring, and building after Chernobyl. Yana's family would have also experienced liberation from the Soviet Union while Yana was a young girl, the Orange Revolution, and even a few month-long government collapses. But among the absolute fuck of it all, Yana went to law school, earned her degree, and while living in Ukraine, even spent time prosecuting against tax crimes. Also worth mentioning, Yana is drop-dead gorgeous. I gotta look her up. Now listen, I mean, come on, dude. She has like this beautiful long dark hair, these piercing dark eyes, and eyebrows that, in the words of Taylor Swift, are sharp enough to kill a man. I wish they did. Oh, she is beautiful. Wow. She's but like it's not fair. Like on Survivor, they have seasons that are like brains versus beauty. Why does she get both? She gets both. You are still watching Survivor? I love Survivor. Holy Don't wish shit. Me. There are like forty seasons, okay? And I've seen not a one. Oh. No. Sad for you. <laughs> <laughs> she is beautiful. That being said, if you want to take a look at her, she'll be on our Instagram, again linked below. But seriously fucking beautiful cannot underline emphasize enough and according to some of her old schoolmates yana was always very happy with a strong and fighting character which is just so sweet and i think it says so much that she can be a very happy person with all of that going on around her as a kid Mm -hmm. I i just think it says so much about her disposition and her tenacity like her will to make things good yeah i mean you have to grow through what you go through and she did she really did but yana great yana got great news in 2014 she was told that she was able to immigrate to america to pursue her american dream see yana spoke fluent english and had always dreamed of going to america to become an interpreter Good for her. She wanted to start a family. She wanted to be a wonderful resource for people, specifically in law, because that's what she studied in Ukraine. So it was 
so exciting and inspiring for her that she was able to come over. And when she arrived, I was not the only one to notice how absolutely stunning she was because she ended up getting hired as a model. Like first thing in freaking California. So if wow. my ranting about it doesn't tell you enough, she came off the boat and they were like, yo, picture. <laughs> Seriously. And in I, California. I know. I think it's so fascinating. And I feel like I've said this before, but when people can speak multiple languages, I just think it's so incredible that the human brain is yeah. able to hold that. Like my, my fiance is bilingual, trilingual, Yeah, I think. And I'm like, how does your brain do that? How do you know that? How do you remember that? How do you yeah. read and write in that? How do you do that? Times three. Like I can do... I'm really good at English. Yeah. Good at. <laughs> I speak English well. Okay. I don't do speak that English good. Mm-mm. That but, American good. But anything else like to try to learn that now would be exhausting and yeah. daunting. I took like five years of Spanish and I the basics exist. Yeah. But I can't roll my R's. Huge disadvantage. <laughs> you know, can't do. So I'm just like, how does that you know, how does it work? How do you do that? I just think it's so fascinating. And, and like, I think it keeps your brain younger. Oh, yeah. Because you are constantly working it. Like, you are translating constantly and untranslating. Yeah. And uh, just the way that it happens, I just think it's so, so, so cool that people can do that. I think it's fascinating. And I also, fun fact, I do know that the part of your brain that's good with languages is the same that's musical. So if you pick up instruments pretty well, or other musical talents, you will probably have a better time with language than someone who doesn't use that part of their brain as mm. often. You can't really decide not to use an entire part. But anyway, all that to say. <laughs> Yana, A+, plus, Blake Lively of Immigrants in 2014. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she, beautiful, smart, hardworking. Happy, kind. And completely full and whole on her own. Yes, 100% an amazing individual as she was. I'd want to be friends with her. Right? Also, I'd want to get into whatever parties she's getting invited to because you know she's getting invited to the good parties. Hell yeah. Now, I can't say exactly how this happened. I'll go off of what one report says, which is just that walking on the street in late August of 2014, Yana bumped into Blake Libel. And now... I've heard literally zero talked about on how they met other than this. And this was like a little snippet on like E! News or something like that. So I'm not going to hold my breath to see that this is true. But this is all I know about their meeting. But here's how I like to imagine it, right? Mm. I'll paint a picture for you. Okay. This is in my mind's eye. After a long, hard day modeling where Yana has to stand up super straight and respond to creepy directors telling them to telling her to give them tiger eyes while she's selling something like fucking breath mints. She's tired, but happy to make some money and has plans to go study more about her translation courses to further pursue her dream. She's gotten like a cute little baseball cap on and her hair is like freshly unbobby pinned. And you know how good that feels. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know how good that feels. And she's walking down the little street while like walking on sunshine is playing in her little ears and then she like looks up because she bumps into this giant guy and she sort of does like a Whoa! 
Uh-huh. And then she's like, oh, I'm sorry. And she like takes out her little headphones. I wrote, she looks down as a flying 18 mile long CVS receipt flutters past her in the wind. Oh, no. <laughs> and then she looks up and finds Blake Libel, who's like six feet tall and the cutest little nerd that you can think of for like a Cali hipster nerd. I looked him up and he looks like he wants me to join a pyramid scheme. And he I does. think I would go for it. He's very handsome. And... He also definitely has his own brand, this isn't true, of energy drink that, like, is later found that it gives you, like, heart murmurs. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And we'd all drink it. He is my type. I go for the tall, kind of lanky, nerdy. smart nerd and all Blake day long. Is exactly what you'd think of if you heard L.A. Nepo, baby. Sorry. No, I'm not. He has a weird mix of being like tall and kind of thin, just like you said. Mm. He's pretty attractive. He has like short curly hair and he is a little nerdy nerd who wrote a screenplay and even graphic novels. Certain facial expressions give me like if Adam Sandler met Jesse Eisenberg, met that one guy from your hometown who's always posting weird cryptic shit on Facebook about how depressed he is, but refuses to go to therapy because it quote unquote doesn't work for him. But he looks more like Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Blake, in juxtaposition to Yana, is so shitty to hear about. And I'm so sorry that I'm going to have to tell you about him. Aw, mm-hmm. okay. So I'm going to keep it relatively short because there is a lot out there about him. But frankly, he really annoys me. I can't help it. He just does. He did before I even knew what bothered me about him. And he still does. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but Blake Libel is a wealthy man. He was born on May 8th, 1981, and Blake was native to Toronto, Canada, where his father, Lorne, was a real estate mogul, and his mother, Eleanor, was an all-roast products heir. So I looked this up because I'm not from Canada, and I don't know what that is, but Mm -hmm. all-roast products is a plastics company that made all sorts of like polytarp and basically anything for your daily fossil fuel needs. Anyway, it's about a $28 million company annually. Oh, shit. So they were both fucking rich in their own right. Okay, so both of his parents had their own sort of like wealth. Yes. And then together they had a lot. Yeah. Okay. And all that to say, Blake had money. Right. And I I also think like if his family worked their asses off and they wanted to provide that to their family, you know, what they do with that. By all means, yeah. Like that's, you know, you've earned that, you've acquired that, you do that. But I think it's, I don't think I know it's on you to fucking raise a good person. Yep. You know, like the the joke in my house was always like growing up. You can be whatever you can do, whatever you can be the best. We'll support you. We love you. But clean your room. <laughs> take care of your shit. Be kind to people. You know, like like yep. it was the core things where it was like you could be rich and famous and that's all well and fine. And we'd be proud for you. Be proud of you in your own right. But also be a decent person, take care of your responsibilities, be good. Yep. You know what I mean? Like be good to others that it was yourself. like the root, the core of it. It was like the rest is fluff. Like the rest is it is what it Icing is. Icing and cherries. Yeah. Yeah. Like all of that is is it's material and tangible and those things can be really great. But if you're a shit person, what does it no, matter? Then none of that really means anything. And so it's it's kind of funny. Like I, I I agree with that aspect of things and it was in the way that I was raised, but if I'm lucky enough to have kids, I will raise them that way too. You want right. to give, I feel like I imagine I'm not a mom. I would want to give my child everything. Oh, absolutely. But teach them 
what it takes to acquire that and that you need to be able to do that yourself. You don't have money. I, I have money. And I'll give you what I can, but I earned that. But what can what are you going to do and how are you not a shit? Well, <laughs> no. Um in my family the rules were always safety first and kindness and respect always. And mm-hmm. I think that pretty much covers it. You know? Yeah. And the rest is socks. Extra. Like work hard in school, put in a hard day's work, do what you got to do and then go on with your life. And because the, and whatever you do outside of that. Yeah. Anything that we get here, we're not taking with us. It doesn't matter what you believe. If we have an afterlife, if we don't, where those afterlives might go. It's pretty widely agreed upon that my pink fuzzy bunny slippers aren't coming with me. Thank God. So, I mean, yeah, kind of. I wouldn't let you sit next to me with those. (laughs) But it seems so. Am I correct in assuming that Blake has been raised as like a spoiled shit? Yeah. And we'll talk about it. Okay. Because Blake has money, but he also has a brother named Cody. Oh, okay. And they Did you say codeine? <laughs> Cody. Cody. C-O-D-Y, Cody. Okay. Codeine. That'd be funny. What they, if his name was like Blake Amphetamines and his brother was Cody? I feel like it would be <laughs> a very hipster, douche, rich family thing to do to name a kid like Codeine and Benzo. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and it'd anyway. be like, the name's Benz. Like Mercedes? No. No. <laughs> My name's Benzodiazepine. Thank you. Hells yeah. No. So according to some sources, close with the libel family, Blake was very nice and appreciated, and he was born into the lap of luxury, which you can't blame a kid for being born where they are. And I don't for that part. No, and it's not a bad thing. Parents should strive to provide all of that for their kids. It's just raise a good human first. Yeah. And Blake and Yana did look cute as hell together and people seem to think that they made sense they are so hot yana was ecstatic not only had she made it to america to pursue her american dream she did it found out how much she could be paid just for simply being hot in the u.s and also found a cute boyfriend who was nice and more prominent which in turn to help her climb the ladder here I mean, she really wanted to do good things, and he was introducing her to people that had all of the opportunity and options that she could have imagined. Mm-hmm. And so it was great for her. She was living la vida loca. Like, she was so happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, And it just all seems so picture-fucking-perfect. And doesn't it always? <laughs> yeah, but you never know what goes on behind closed doors, no matter how nice the door is. Right. Because we need to talk a little more about Blake. Blake. Because Picture Perfect captures a moment in time and not the entirety of a life. Blake's family dynamics were a bit odd. Given his parents were expansive and rich in their own right, Eleanor, Blake's mom, had inherited again her father's company that was making multi-millions every year. Blake's grandfather died and he actually wrote a really interesting will when he left the company to his daughter Hmm. he did leave some around for the other kids but any beneficiaries that were going to access any of the things in his will had to pass a drug and alcohol test first wow then they had to provide proof of negative hiv tests fascinating i am vibing like a 
homophobia, but like only because in the 80s and 90s, like HIV was perceived as a gay disease and not just a sexually transmitted disease that anyone could have. Also, like, I mean, I know I'm looking at it through today's lens, but like you can live a full, happy, healthy life with treatment and be very. Yeah. Like typical. I don't know. Also, like, usually why, why does that matter? Like, the best treatment uh, money helps, which uh, a will from a multimillionaire would probably get you better medical care but what do i know so what else was interesting was that this will entirely cut out blake's brother cody oh and snap. it specifically stated it was not from a lack of love but because the grandfather knew blake's dad would quote unquote adequately provide so blake got in the will but yep. cody didn't yeah Ooh. which is funny to me because it's like grandpa being like yeah you're fine you on the other hand you need help here's way to money. give both of those brothers a fucking complex though literally right like it'll never be the same between them never and if they're little shits forget about it and now lorne blake's dad daddy exactly the kind of guy you thought he'd be too he was a motorsport hall of fame, multimillionaire, sugar daddy dating all the hot young pieces he could afford, riding around on his bike. Oh, so the parents are not together. No, they had split up. Mm, I'm not entirely sure when, but it was early enough in Blake's life that he like chose who to live with. Okay, yeah. So, so he, he didn't grow with up with mom. them together. Okay. Right. So dad's in Canada, mom's in America? They're both in Canada. Okay, he both grew up in Canada. Both the boys immigrate later on. Okay, and then they moved to the U.S. Yes. Gotcha. So when this happened, though, Cody had moved in with Lawrence, so the dad, and Blake had stayed with Eleanor. Blake and his father became increasingly distant. I don't think they were super close anyway. I don't mm. know if you can imagine, like... Hell's Angel multimillionaire real estate guy really hanging out with like a cute little comic book writer. Is that what Blake did? Yeah. Essentially. So like their personalities don't really match up anyway. But after the split and like living apart, they really were distant. That makes sense. And I'm sure that like not only physical distance can do that, but a divorce, a split family and an entitled child. An entitled child who constantly says you're not providing enough, even though his allowance added up to like almost two million dollars in seven years, which fun fact, I did do the math. It was one point eight million to be exact, which financially comes out to an annual income of about two hundred and fifty seven thousand one hundred and forty two dollars or monthly twenty one thousand dollars. Or if we really break this down, his weekly allowance was five grand um, and it's hard for me to be convinced that that isn't enough sir (laughs) but (laughs) what the fuck it still wasn't enough for his greedy grubby little fingies so regardless (laughs) and this is in like 2014 about yeah okay and like with inflation today like Uh how much more is that now god damn it yeah and if this isn't enough to convince you of nepo baby status what if i tell you that blake's grandfather uh was also an Olympic sailor. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool. But like success, success, success. And then he's just like. Succession. <laughs> and then and then he's just like, well, I'm a shit. You know who else was successful? Blake's aunt, who became one of the widely known Canadian female journalists. See, 
Okay, take the money out of it though. The pressure in that family to Insane. not to not just be successful, but to be borderline celebrity. Like yep. if you're just trying to keep up, not even outdo anybody, but keep up, you have to be fucking on your Insane. shit. And something tells me, methinks if grandpa, I imagine they called him like Papa. Probably. Um, if Papa <laughs> is putting like drug and alcohol um drug tests in his will something tells me that there's substance use issues in the family as well and when you've got a lot of money substance use issues are well, devastating i well, mean they're I mean, devastating anyway it's but- devastating anyway but i feel like maybe you reach rock bottom more as a typical per- okay as a typical person if i were to begin using i think I would deplete my resources faster. Oh, yeah, certainly. When you are a billionaire and you can do that, not only do you have the means to attain all of the things that you want that are harmful to you, but people are also less comfortable telling you no because of that power that comes with that money you have. And so while in that time when you're seeking, then you feel like you're winning. But at some point that's that's to your detriment and that so it it makes me think that there's a lot more going on behind closed doors in this family i'm sure and i think that when you combine an influx of resources very prominent well achieved people and that sort of pressure it's a pressure cooker Mm -hmm. something's gonna come out of that and even the best of intentions it's like, well, I've been in crew and rowing for eight years and well, I'm not an Olympian yet, so I don't deserve that. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah, just- so I'm a piece of shit because I can't live up to this. Right. And we're talking 2010s, early 2000s when like pills, opiates yep. were a bit, I mean, really hitting and, and the so resale value of the, whew. I don't want to say that I've really seen any substance use substance use in this story. I wouldn't be surprised if it comes out one day. But at the same it's, time... Yeah, it's probably not yeah. being aired right now. But, at the, I mean, Such to think that that's an issue, I mean, it, it touches a lot. I mean, well, so many families, so many lives. The other thing about it, too, and I mean this with all of the respect and pride that a girly in middle class America can. If everybody's rock bottom is at like level zero, my fall isn't quite as big. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I'm not losing all of the same things. I'm not ending up in the same place. It's just because I didn't have as much padding to begin with. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you're raised with a lot of money, but aren't necessarily taught basics, like how to cook, how to deal with that money because having money is not the same as money management no but if you're not equipped with the skills to be a functioning person that money means nothing right and all it does is go towards things that other people can do for themselves because they know those skills Mm -hmm. so i think that there was a lot going on here but i want to take a minute to talk about cody because if you thought that all of that was enough pressure wait until you hear about cody Cody, in juxtaposition to Blake, struck out on his own. Cody lived life out loud, where Blake was a little more timid and quiet and really only opened up if you were talking about something he loved or he was comfortable with you. I would have gone for that one. 
Cody, when he moved to California, sold his 5,500 square foot home for almost $18 million in 2017 to Katie fucking Perry, in case you were wondering. Oh, my God. Cody then bought who's Reba fucking McIntyre's home for $25 million. But she's a single mom that works too hard. She works damn hard. And this made Cody the youngest person to own a home in Beverly Park history, which meant at like fucking 20s, early, early 30s, he had neighbors like Eddie Murphy, Maki Mock, and even fucking Denzel Washington. If you think I wouldn't be at Denzel Washington's fucking pool parties, are you kidding? Eddie Murphy, you said? Mm hmm. Dude, could you imagine having a beer at a fire with him? How funny. Of course, I I'm would, putting my like New England backyard. I'd bust a gut. Like, <laughs> like oh I think they're gosh. doing that in flannels like we are here. Know, but come right? on. Can you imagine Eddie Murphy in a flannel with a beer? What a cutie. Anyway. I just want him in that suit again. That purple <sighs> suit. That special. Anyway. So Cody owned a Ferrari. Cody also liked to gamble. He actually frequented a gambling spot that inspired a movie called Molly's Game. Mm. It had like big name actors in it. It had like Leonardo DiCaprio, Tobey Maguire. Like I want to see this thing. But this is a place that was entirely inspired by, if not named after, one of the places Cody liked to gamble. And I should say there is no evidence that Cody owed anybody money. Okay. Is that to say he didn't? I don't know. But or he truly, just had enough to pay his, right, to <laughs> his, pay debts. his debts. But I will say there is nothing that suggests Cody was in the negative in any way. If nothing else, he was gaining assets and building mm-hmm. on his wealth. So I just I put that in there because I think it's interesting to know. And certainly when there's pop culture influences, I like to throw those out. But this is not like an Easter egg. yes anyway oh cody also owned his own record label cody sounds like a fun time i'll be real but i would have gone for the brother i would have gone for the quiet nerd i mean if i'm being serious i would have too but if i'm talking like i want to hang out on a saturday night i'd be like cody my man what you doing like (laughs) see me and my big mouth i'd get into trouble i'd be like y'all don't know shit about shit i know (laughs) i'd have like one drink in me i'd be like and another thing and also you don't even know what it's like to get money back from the federal government, do you? <laughs> you owe taxes. Anyway, Blake, on the other hand, was certainly different. He came out to Cali in 2004, and he seemed like he'd rather wear jeans and a t-shirt, although probably both the highest end that you can have, than spend money on fancy wear. Blake was creative. He was a creative through and through. He was like what you think of when you think artiste, you know? Mm. He wrote and directed a comedy film called Bald in 2009. It was low budget and nobody really cared about it. <laughs> it's 2.6 stars on IMDb, but from the trailer, it pretty much just looks like a raunchy, pseudo-rapey 2000s comedy, like riddled with fat phobia, sexism, and homophobia. And I got that all from less than two minutes. But if you're still interested, you can watch it. It is out there. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to waste more of my time on it, but it is for some people. Now, Blake also directed another low-level movie. 
and had some temporary work on an animated series called Spaceballs by Mel Brooks. And no, not the Spaceballs you're thinking of. Damn it, then what's the point? So, all that to say, clearly film and picture entertainment weren't Blake's strong suit. And if you've seen anything he's been in, it is news to me. (laughs) Blake also released a comic book series, sorry, maybe graphic novel is the term, called Mm -hmm. United Free Worlds. And this was his, like, bread and butter. He really liked United Free Worlds. But I'm going to tell you the description based off of how he describes it in one of the cringiest interviews I've ever seen in my life. He describes it as making a high quality artwork with very extreme detail that's very serious. They like to quote unquote, take the time to do it right because this isn't school. There's no reason to rush or do it the night before. Cute, Blake. Hmm. He also says the storyline is about when a new planet enters our solar system. Earth unites and we put down our weapons and we find a new enemy. They're about 18 feet tall, ride and control dinosaurs like dogs. The first time we went to war, they completely demolished us. What in the mushrooms was he doing? What in the Lucy in the sky with diamonds was influencing all this shit? I don't know. Okay. But that's all direct from Blake, who's kind of like mind numbing. Just about the whole thing. There's nothing creative about that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's where. Okay. Anyway, I appreciate that he likes quality artwork and that he was willing to pay a good artist to design the graphics in his graphic novel and that is the only positive i have at the current moment i imagine him being like but wait man no 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 wait no hear me out. dinosaurs like dogs man no man like no hear me <laughs> out no no no, because they go like and like it it <laughs> the t-rex goes and he goes like come here <laughs> get over here <laughs> and then it like but right gets there But finally, man, there's peace on Earth. Just, like, not on their planet, but, like, fuck them, because, like, (laughs) we're here. Yes, you get it. This is the vibe. And then credits. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Blake also worked on a hybrid horror and sci-fi graphic novel called Syndrome, The book summary says when a rogue neuropathologist makes a startling breakthrough, literally isolating the root of all evil in the recesses of the human brain, he'll stop at nothing to advance his theory. Isn't that the villain in The Incredibles? Yes, it is. It's, uh, what is it, Jason Lee who voices that? Yes. Oh, amazing. I'd rather see that. This also says, with the help of a native Hollywood actress, a tormented motion picture director, and a condemned serial killer, Dr. Wolf Brunswick launches a bold experiment in the Nevada desert, the outcome of which could transform humanity forever. The Truman Show meets Seven in Syndrome, an inventive original graphic novel hardcover that series as one of the first titles to be featured under Arkea's new black label line. Mm, no it's worth knowing uh i don't think it was really big but we'll come back to syndrome so just throw that in your little pocket okay okay but he stole it yeah he did from incredibles i don't know which came first but i've decided incredibles is better 
Now, reversing a little bit to 2006, Blake started dating a woman named Amanda Braun. After five years of dating, they got married in 2011, and Amanda then gave birth to their son quite shortly after their marriage. Blake, so this is Blake. So Blake has a child with from another relationship. Yes, okay. from Amanda, who he dated for a significant period of time before I met Yana. Blake lived comfortably in L.A. with Amanda, but he was really poor with money management. As soon as he got money, he spent money and so forth. He smoked a lot of weed. He had a lot of get rich quick schemes that didn't quite pan out. Are you serious? I fucking had this guy pegged. Mm hmm. Which is funny because he's already rich. You don't need a get rich quick scheme if you have one point eight million dollars coming to you he's like the fifth jonas brother yes per- yes <laughs> sorry frankie i'm sure you're fine so <laughs> but damn so one of his friends says around this time blake started getting obsessed with violence he became distant and just was really getting into some dark and twisted shit whereas things where things take a turn is in 2011 when Blake's mom died. Oh. This is difficult for so many reasons. First and foremost, Blake is obviously the closest to her out of his born nuclear family. And he lived with her. But Blake also was just really close with Eleanor. A lot of people said that she was his rock and they talked all the time. Mm. Some of his friends say that it really turned his world upside down when she died. And they think that that might have been really the beginning of Blake's undoing. It was also hard for Blake because, well, his allowance might not be the same. Seriously? Mm. And like, okay, fine. Yes. Brain cancer took out his mom and she had a huge inheritance that she was going to leave to everyone. But like, you'd have to split it with like Cody. I want to do so much more than flick his nose, but I feel like Isn't that sim- so annoying? symbolically to flick his nose would be more degrading. And I think he needs that. Well, like your mom died and you're like, but pay me. But mom, I don't want to split my millions of dollars with my brother. I don't even think I could spend 5000 in a week. No, I'd get like two new sweaters and i'd be like shit what now how does he (laughs) how do you spend five thousand dollars a week what do you spend what caviar lined silk fucking tampons is he putting up his nose that is such a visual and i'm not wrong (laughs) (laughs) sorry anyway two years after her death though blake tried to contest the will to have their father removed as a trustee on it um, but fun fact, that didn't work. Blake allegedly didn't go to his mother's funeral, which is very interesting. Oh. I don't know if he was just too sad. Maybe he had something else going on that he wasn't able to make it. Or maybe he just didn't want to see his dad and his brother and everybody saying fake and true things. You know, the I way funerals I, bring out people. <laughs> I don't imagine a circumstance in which I wouldn't attend. Same. Absolutely same. I can't imagine a circumstance in which I wouldn't like pop up for a doctor's visit. My parents were like, oh, I'm kind of worried about mm-hmm. how in the- anyway. So. Now, the court didn't really care. He got ruled against. Right. Yes. But 
His lawyer cared when he didn't get the alleged $400,000 of unpaid attorney fees that Blake seemingly owed him. Ooh, snap. Now, in 2015, so four years later, Blake left Amanda while she was incredibly pregnant. Allegedly, this was due to his pot smoking taking over his life. And from one woo-woo hippie to any other person, weed isn't addictive. Okay, it's habit forming. Yes, if it's laced with something, you can become addicted to that. But weed itself isn't an addictive substance. It's a habit forming substance. And you can become dependent on your habit. It takes a long time of daily strong use to start to affect your brain chemistry. And listen, I'm guessing that Blake had long, very consistent daily use. Okay, mm. he had a lot of money and not a lot else to do but to think up do- like dinosaurs as dogs, okay? I'm not contesting that. <laughs> Just boy. spreading accurate information, okay? Now, Blake stopped picking up his phone. He became super paranoid, which does also happen with long-term consistent weed use. Um, and he also started to believe that Cody owed major money to Russians, which there is no evidence of. Zero evidence of. Cody, who bought Reba McIntyre's house, owns a Ferrari, a recording studio, and does everything he fucking wants to do. Pretty sure he wasn't, like, under a Russian's thumb. Yeah, he's doing just fine. Okay. Now, Blake was officially broke. He had to turn to daddy to, quote, unquote, pay his cards. Mm Mm-hmm. Plus, Blake's new project of Psychocomp left nobody wanting more, telling him that it was a ripoff of Batman where the hero was violent, psychotic, stupid, sadistic, and highly unlikable. Ooh. So Blake isn't doing great. And I know what you're thinking. Abby, you said Yana and Blake met right when she immigrated in 2014 and fell in love. And yes, they did. He was still married. Oh. In fact, he was married with a heavily pregnant wife. At the time. And so he chose Yana. Yes. Over his. Over Amanda. His pregnant wife. Well, this episode isn't about Amanda. So I almost feel like she got out better in this arrangement. That she did. Of course, Yana didn't know this. And in no time, Yana was pregnant too. This man cannot stop farming. (laughs) Okay. He was fertile. She found out in 2015, and when she learned of the news, she called her mother Olga ecstatic. Mm. She called Olga and was like, Mom, my dreams of becoming a parent are finally coming true. She was so excited. Mm. In fact, she was so excited. And I don't know when in the pregnancy Olga came over, but Olga also immigrated. Oh, she was like, I want to be around. Like, I want to meet my grandbaby. Yeah. And. Blake had pulled her into his world of money and comfort and fake care and affection. Blake was desperate for support. And with a dead mom, a brother he was envious of, a dad who essentially cut him off, and his ex-wife and their mutual friends hating him, not necessarily unwarranted either, he really wooed Yana and it worked. In May of 2016, Yana gave birth to the couple's baby girl, Diana. I love the name Diana. Especially on like a little baby. Anyway, (laughs) when Yana gave birth to Diana, instead of it being a bonding moment that let Yana and Blake co-regulate, slip into a new normal and enjoy the intimacies and the journey of new parenthood. 
It just pissed Blake off. How? Like the baby crying, like the inconvenience of part of it? Well, mm, I'm sure that didn't help. And I'm sure that like diaper costs cut into the weed stash and that probably didn't help. But what he really didn't like, like what really got under Blake's skin was now Yana spent time and gave love to the baby. And that made Widow Boyke jealous. Are you kidding me? No. Again, disclaimer, not a parent. I imagine that if my partner didn't have that doting step up to the plate attachment reaction feeling toward our child, like, you should be willing to give your life for that baby. Mm -hmm. That is your everything Mm -hmm. now. Everything comes second to that. And if you are not in on that, I don't, I don't really know where you go from there. I don't, if you're not interested in pouring yourself into this beautiful baby miracle that you created, and that's not to say you can't have breaks. It's not to say you can't take care of yourself and do things that you need to because you can't pour from an empty cup. But if you're not willing to pour what you have into that child, I don't want to procreate with you. I imagine if I were Blake seeing Yana with our shared child and seeing the love in her eyes and how wouldn't that be heartwarming how motherhood fit her and how she welcomed that and embraced that and enjoyed that would like bring tears to my eyes that she could be such a great mom to our kid i found this person and not just someone i found one of the most beautiful people i've ever laid eyes on who has been through a world of hell to get here worked her ass off and is still decided she was going to be happy and positive and try to make a good change on the world and somehow fell in love with me, wanted to procreate with me and loves that thing. And not for nothing, but this isn't even his first go at it. You have a child. Nope. This shouldn't be this brand new for the first time feeling. Nope. But see, Blake was a man with needs. But when you are that inherently selfish. Oh, wait, it gets worse. Then it just it makes sense that your reaction is going to be jealous rather than like joyous. Literally, I don't. The only thing I've ever been jealous of an infant for is the amount of time they get to nap in a day. Oh, fuck those kids. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck them kids. They get all my naps. So. Here's the thing, though, because Blake sucks. In like mm. every facet of the word. Uh, he would get pissed off if Yana, who immediately after had a child in a C-section, didn't have sex with him. You're not even supposed to. Which, once again, she had a child. And if this delicate man baby got a paperclip, he'd be pissed off if she asked him to open an envelope to save his precious finger. But just because she had to push something 20 times the size of her vagina out of it, which didn't even happen because she had to get surgery to get her pregnancy completed, I suppose, to give birth. He's still like, "Mm, I know you have stitches and have to recover from an intensive body altering experience and also surgery, but I want to come. Fuck you. You got a hand and a sock. Make do, bud. Yep. 
I'm right. sure there's plenty of aquaphor around. He'll be uh, fine. Oh, don't do my aquaphor dirty. <laughs> Sorry, I love aquaphor. It does everything. It does. He doesn't deserve it. There's some Jurgens baby lotion at the ready. Which leads us to our ad. Aquaphor. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, right. But no, that's that's concerning and selfish. And he also I don't threatened like it. divorce if she didn't like have enough sex with him. I find it odd because someone like him, I would just imagine he's like, oh, she won't. Someone will. And then he just walks out and fucks the first person he Mm -hmm. sees and like doesn't bat an eye at that. But like it does make sense to me when you get like spoiled rich mommy's boy. That like I need one woman to do it all for me. Or that she's supposed to be subservient to me. Exactly. So anyway, come May 20th of 2016, so not long after the birth of Diana, I think it's literally weeks, because Diana was also born in May of 2016, so it was no more than three weeks. Okay. Bleak got arrested for sexual assault. Oh, wow. But not of Yana, actually. It's of his third girlfriend that we haven't talked about, Constance Buca Fury. He actually bought a home for Constance. Um, that he could like live with her and that way Yana and also Amanda wouldn't probably find out. Um, so Amanda's in like one end of town with their shared baby. Mm-hmm. Then there's Yana and their newborn. Yep. And then there's Constance not yet pregnant. Correct. Okay. But assaulted. Okay. So. But he bought her a house. He did. He bought her a house. And I mean, listen, Mance has money, but Mance doesn't have that kind of money. No, that's Cody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say he's not his brother. I think that would fuck him up. So I enjoy I saying so. that. <laughs> and also, like, he has some money, but not enough money skills to have multiple secret homes kind of money, you know? Yeah. Like, Anyway, so Constance alleged that he had assaulted her in the house that he bought her despite refusing his advances. So he was like coming on and she was like, no. And he kept going. And Blake was held in jail overnight with a bail of $100,000. Which, of course, he could post. I was going to say more insane is that Yana the next day was able to come in the morning and bail him out just like that. She, She bailed her cheating husband. Are they married? I don't know if they're technically married, but I know that was sort of the image they were putting yeah, on. Yeah, so your, I mean, let's just, your partner your signi- yeah, significant has just other. been accused of assaulting another woman and your knee-jerk reaction is, he can't spend an hour there and you go get him out? I mean, to be fair, she got him out the next morning. I wouldn't. she was pissed. Rot there. What of- you think about what you've done. Literally. Finding out about the affair with Constance naturally pissed Yana off, but also finding out about like the sexual violence yeah, the against assault. another woman. You just commit. Okay. Would f- I'd be sitting right next to his ass if it was me finding out. So bless up that I'm not. But I don't think I would let him. I mean, again, I don't know. I'm not her. I don't have that situation, but it would. I'd be. I'm. I'm be pressed to find a situation in which. Somebody I loved and cared about could brutally attack somebody. And I would be like, you know what? I got you. You should come home to me. So after she bailed him out, though, Yana stayed with her mom, Olga. She took some time. Good. And she's, I mean, she's a new mom. Like, she's got enough on her plate right Literally. now. God damn it. You don't need two children at home. 
Ugh. So Olga had moved again to the area like right around the time Yano became pregnant or about before she was going to give birth. And baby Diana was born very early May. So again, this is not even three weeks after the delivery of a precious bundle of joy. I don't know how your balls can become so blue in three weeks while being woken up every half hour from a screaming baby. At this point. That you would physically fucking assault someone. (laughs) I'd rather him have blue balls because he got kicked so hard that he's bruised. Oh, fuck yeah. Rather than the nerve he has to force himself on anybody. Like, I'd, I'd hope that she just fought and kicked him, but okay. I hope so. So, a few days later, Yana was shopping for a new stroller with her mom, which is just like the cutest picture in my head. Yeah. And while shopping, Blake started panic texting Yana. She knew something wasn't right, so Yana left to go see him, leaving baby Diana with her mom. So the next day, which was May 24th, 2016, four days after Blake was arrested, Mm -hmm. less than three weeks after the birth of baby Diana, Mm -hmm. Olga was able to speak to Yana for a few minutes after she went to leave to go talk to Blake. But the next day, on May 25th, there was no answer. Oh, shit. And Olga got worried. So around 1.45 the next day, Olga and a friend went to try to reach Yana. They saw her garage. Nope. They saw her car parked in the garage at the complex that Blake lived in, or I guess they both shared a residence at. And Olga went around to the front of the building and actually saw that the slider door to their apartment was open. So she like ran around like around the building and was yelling and she was like, oh, no, open up like Yana, it's mom. Like, I just want to talk to you. Like, come on out. But all she got in response to that was Blake's silhouette shutting the sliding door. Oh, that's so freaky. He didn't say anything. And I imagine it's slow. Yep. Oh, so. Olga's freaking out and Olga and her friend call the police. But when the police got there, nobody was home. They left a message and, you know, that remained unreturned. So they went away. You know, they can't just like break in the door for nothing. Right. And if they don't have any reason to believe they need to like enter the home. What can they do? I mean, you have the right to not answer your door. You know what I mean? And on May 26th. So this is three days after Yana went to stay with Blake. Olga, again, consistently called Yana and texted her feverishly between 1.45 a.m. and 11 a.m., which is heartbreaking. Hmm. One of the texts said, Yana, answer me. Are you alive, my dear daughter? I called the police because he was holding you there. I came over and knocked. Answer me. Oh, that's heartbreaking. And this woman's got to be, like, alone. What community does she have here? So now She's it's here for her daughter and her grandchild. Olga I mean, and her granddaughter. Mm. And that's it. And thank God baby Diana is with Olga. But that was supposed to be a couple hours where Yana went to calm Blake down. And it's been three days with no word. And at that point, like the baby's so young. Like, did you have enough milk? Did you mm-hmm. like, do you have formula on hand? Did you have enough diapers? Like, you're just planning on having the baby for Right, like a few a, hours. I mean, a day at max. Yeah. Then you're probably undersupplied now. So 
none of the texts or the messages that Olga had sent were returned. And Olga went back to the apartment again, and she again called 911, telling the police that Yana had just had a C-section, and she was concerned for her healing. Of course. And when the police arrived, one of the officers, Micah Johnson, spoke to a neighbor who said he hadn't seen anyone in a few days. No one going in, no one coming out. And so at 8.45 a.m., the police called Blake again to leave a message, and again got nothing so finally a police officer was able to obtain a copy of the apartment key to go check it out Damn. fucking finally and after backup arrived deputy johnson unlocked the door to blake's condo the safety latch on the inside was done so he couldn't like open it all the way mm. just a few inches so locked from inside meant at least someone was home because mm-hmm. kind of got to be inside to do that And they were either choosing not to or were unable to respond. So the officers agreed that there were exceptional reasons to enter, which meant they were able to finally kick that door in. And Mm -hmm. they did. When entering the condo, it was dark. Pitch dark. They cleared the living room, the dining room, and the kitchen once entering. And there was only one more door to enter, but it was locked. The cops tried to force it down, but they found quickly that there was actually something barricading the door closed, which actually was eventually revealed to be a mattress. Shit, okay. And when they shouted for anyone in the room to come out, then and only then, after police have called, knocked, kicked down a door, cleared your entire house, knocked on your door and tried to kick it in to no avail, did Blake answer them? Oh, no. He said he wasn't going to come out because he was afraid the officers were going to beat him up. Were they going to beat him up because he did something bad? No, because he's a rich white boy who smokes weed sometimes. No, of course he did something bad. The officers reassured him that this wouldn't happen. They just needed to check on his girlfriend. You know, Mm -hmm. you care about Yana. We care about Yana. We just got to make sure she's good. Okay. Um, (laughs) Why did you sound like... (laughs) Um, is it <laughs> Natasha from, you sound like Natasha Leone. I don't know if you know who I'm talking about. No. That raspy, like, Ugh. anyway, keep going. <laughs> I've never seen Orange is the New Black, but it's just stressful. So Blake replied. He's like, yeah, I love Yana. Uh, she's fine. She's at the hospital. And they, he gave them a room number. Okay. Mm, you know, they can call, right? Blake also said his father was coming over soon. Mm. However, when someone did come over, it seems that what he really meant was not his father, but his accountant. But tomato, tomato, you know. That's different. Uh, Blake had called Stephen, his accountant, around noon and asked him to come over. Mm. For a month before, by the way, Blake wouldn't answer any of Stephen's voicemails, calls, or texts, of which there were plenty. So that was odd. So Stephen's like, what now, bud? Yep. So whatever was going on, Stephen said he wanted to help Blake get through it. When Stephen Green arrived at the apartment, he could only talk through the door with Blake. Blake still would not open the door. Okay. But he would talk. Eventually, the two moved over to talking on the phone, a wall apart, like girls gab, you know? (laughs) Oh my God, like laying. What are you wearing? Laying on the floor, legs up, up the wall. With, like, the corded phone. I can see it now. 
Or like laying on your little stomach and kicking your legs in the air mm-hmm. with your little fuzzy journal and your pen with a pom pom on it. And you also were doing your nails like oh, a bright yeah. pink color. Mm-hmm. So the two did move to Tonga on the phone, which is where they were found when the detective walked in. Blake still barricaded and Stephen chilling on the living room phone with Blake. When Stephen hung up, the officer asked him to call Blake back. It's like, my man, he is literally 10 feet away from you. But oh, my okay. God. After a few minutes of chatting, Blake finally agreed to come out. He was only wearing boxers, and Stephen Green gave Blake some clothing to put on. Luckily, the police did check the clothes before Blake was allowed to put them on, which was a damn good thing, because his passport and about $4,000 in cash were in the pockets. Oh, shit. So, not so slick, fucker. Anyway. Now, I'm going to issue a trigger warning here because we're going to talk about some nasty, terrible, awful, heinous, horrid shit, okay? Oh. Okay. Unable to run, Blake had no choice but to sit here while the police entered the bedroom. So, he didn't, I mean, he just sat there and waited for them to breathe. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. The first officer that walked in screamed and exclaimed, she's on the bed. Which, Allie and I talk a lot about the culture and sort of sometimes the humor of life when you work in a public service like this. And especially with police, sort of the bond you end up with with your coworkers because you go through traumatic shit. But you also go through a lot of traumatic shit. So it should be a giant flaming, more flags, more fun red flag smacked in your face if an officer enters a room and screams they see shit on a daily basis that if that gets that kind of reaction it's you bad kn- you know yeah it's bad it's bad oh no what they saw was worse than any of the horror sci-fi stupid fucking graphic novels this asshole could have thought up in his weed haze They ordered everyone but the detectives outside and they called in paramedics. But sadly, Yana was pronounced dead at 1.02 p.m. on May 26th of 2016. Not even a month after the birth of her daughter. She looked so young, too. I mean, yeah. So she would have been 30 and just a few months old at the time of her death. Oh, no, it's so young. Officers found Yana in the bed in the bedroom and again just a fucking fat trigger warning please skip forward if you're queasy um yana's body was found naked on the sheets covered by a red mickey mouse blanket on top of a blue polka dotted blanket Mm. yana's head was on the pillow but that seems kind of like a stretch because while yana did have many bruises and injuries injuries on the left side of her face that were consistent with blunt force trauma she also had bite marks on her left jaw and bicep and fingernail marks under her jawline but head just seems like too big a word because if that wasn't enough yana had also been scalped from just over her eyebrows to the back of her head Oh, my goodness. A large portion on the right side of her face had also been removed, revealing skull bone to any onlookers. 
Oh. Yana also had cuts below her eyebrows, a cut on the right side of her face from her cheek to her jawline. And the medical examiner believed that the scalping was done with a sharp instrument, but thought that the tissue that was missing from the right side of her face was done with sheer force by hand. Oh, my! like he ripped, ripped the right side of her face off? Yes. Oh, my God. And based on the amount of injury, the severity, varying types... And the varying healing stages, the police believe that this took a lot of time. Was she alive for all of that? Yeah. The medical examiner noted from the swelling, the bruising, and the inflammation of the impacted skin that poor Yana was alive during all of this. How do you do that? To a human. The mother of your child. What's a little stranger, but equally horrifying, is that Yana had had half of the blood in her body she was supposed to. Okay. There was no blood around her, but there was also none in her heart. Okay, so she'd almost been, like, drained of blood? It seems it. The medical examiner thought Blake might have put her in the bathtub and did like a weird jerry rig system to empty her body of blood. Mm. Um, And either he just didn't do it well or he did it half-assed, which both make sense for fucking Blake Libel. Um, It would also make sense as it would increase blood flow but interfere with clotting so her wounds wouldn't heal. And I doubt that Blake Libel is a smart enough man to know that. It just seems like he was trying to make cleanup easier for himself. Correct. There was also foam in Yana's nostrils, which indicated to the medical examiner that Yana was probably submerged underwater for at least half an hour. Oh. It, it's fucking awful. And Yana's body cleaned right after was then put on the bed where she was found. Her cause of death officially pronounced as exsanguination, which means the draining of blood. So from everything they could tell, what killed her was not the scalping. It wasn't a man ripping fucking skin off of her face and giving her injuries from bite marks to lacerations. None of that. Not even the half an hour that she was underwater, but draining her blood. She simply didn't have enough blood. How could she have been alive while she was underwater? No clue. My, personally, like my go- thought is probably it was like kind of all at the same time. She had to be alive long enough to foam in her nose. But I don't think you can live significantly longer than that. Or he let her up for a breath and then, oh, I, I don't even want to think about it. What's more wild is that the pillow next to Yana had been used. Meaning Blake, or allegedly a different offender, I guess, but highly doubt it wasn't fucking Blake, slept next to her. After this. Oh. While she was dead and scalped and tortured in his fucking home. 
mad that she wouldn't give him as many kisses or googly eyes as the baby, I guess. And then he fucking curled right up into her. I guess I don't. And I don't even really know what his end game could have been. Like, was this a of passion like in the moment he just attacked her but it just seems like those kinds of injuries are so strange that i could imagine like a physical altercation you push her she falls she hits her head okay did you intend that she died no probably not right but that that could happen but this there is no if ands or buts about it the intent was there i don't know how much planning and forethought was put in but that is an oddly specific and like agonizing way to yeah. harm somebody. Yeah. That I I don't think this was like the heat of the moment. I don't know. It just it doesn't seem possible. And then well, and if we look at the he never timeline. left. Like he he wasn't trying to get rid of her. He like didn't know what to do. It was like he yep. was like oh that mattress will hold. I'll put that over the door, and then I'm just gonna what live out my days in this room with her. Seemingly. And it should also be known that, like, the way the timeline works, so Yana went over on the 23rd or the 24th. She was okay that night because she talked to her mom the next day. It wasn't for long, but she had a few minutes on the phone. Mm. So she was alive the first night. So something happened. We don't know what happened, but something certainly happened. And more even, I think, than we're imagining because... Further in the investigation, it was discovered that there was her blood beneath the mattress, but also blood stains and human flesh were found in every fucking room of this house. That's like Kellyanne Bates. Mm-hmm. It was found on tables, on mattresses. There was human flesh found behind the bed and the wall near Yana's bat- body. There were also chunks of hair and blood stains everywhere in the bathroom. Some chunks of hair and a bloody razor in the trash can. Mm. There were blood stains on the headboard that were oval, which led detectives to believe that it was probably from Yana trying to rest her head after she was scalped while she was laying down. Mm. The floor, the base of the drapes. There was blood in every tub, on towels, on pillowcases. In the guest bathroom, there was freshly cut hair. I mean, what the fuck? I can't even put together a narrative in my head that makes sense. Like, not even in my worst case, like, not unicorn shitting rainbows, but, like, literally, like, demons eating babies world. Like, I can't even think of a linear story as to how all of this would happen the only thing that i can think of is that he did this and because his he used his hands to do this that when he walked around the house afterwards and touched shit that's where all of that like yeah flesh and blood was able was transferred from space to space because i can't imagine she was able to move or hopeful i mean unfortunately alive long enough to have been able to move throughout what i'm assuming is a very large home yep to be able to do that that i i would hope that it was quick and as painless as humanly possible that he would have had to have been the i guess vehicle that that moved on you know what i'm saying like i I imagine he 
was touching surfaces and maybe he was freaking out. I don't know, pacing, Hopefully. touching things. Freak the fuck out. You know, but I, I have no idea. Chemical testing also revealed blood remnants or blood that had attempted to be cleaned in the dining room, the hallway, the guest bathroom, both beth both bedrooms, as well as the kitchen and garbage disposal. Oh. There had also been blood stains and some bloody clothing, linens. I think there were towels and maybe sheets, but there were definitely some textiles that were bloody that were found in trash bags that matched Yana or Yana's DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as, oh, and I, I forgot to mention this. She was missing an entire ear that they also believe he ripped off. They Come found on. that in the garbage, too. He literally threw it away. Her poor mother. I I also want to know, why was there fresh cut hair? Did he literally give her a haircut before he scalped her? Unless it was her hair. I mean, excuse me, his hair. I guess. But is he giving himself... I'm, I guess nothing he does makes sense to me, but no, but I mean, I can't imagine getting it, giving yourself a haircut in the middle of all that. I think trying to make sense of anything that he did in this like 24 hour time span is a lost cause. Yeah. Yeah. So in Blake's mugshot, because he has a mugshot, uh, he has a fucking insane expression. He looks crazed. It's a smile for sure, but it's kind of like a closed teeth smile that you make when you really don't want your picture taken, but your mom keeps telling you to just fucking smile normal (laughs) and not like you hate it, but you don't know it looks like you hate it because you think you're just like smiling enough, unless that was a me thing. Um, But either way, that's the vibe. His eyes are fucking huge. They are bulging out of his head. Look like sinisterly proud and he's smiling. They just look empty. They look like there is nothing behind them. Like he would as easily kill you as look at you. When Blake was arrested, he had bruises and cuts on his face and they found Yana's DNA and blood all over him and under his fingernails. He looks so fucking disgusting in his court stuff, though. Yes. What a fucking fall from grace. Yes. Hold on. Hold on. We're getting there. Because this man's also straight up. Okay. Oh, God. Oh, I'm not even the maddest I'm getting yet. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. Because if you just heard everything he fucking did and you were like, oh, poor man's was insane. Afterwards, he's pacing around. He curls into her like a sad little baby who's so sad that he just tortured this woman to death. Mm. He used not even his own fucking phone. He used Yana's fucking phone to order DoorDash twice. Sorry, not DoorDash, Postmates. What the fuck is eating during this one? And two, you cheap fucking ass. You can't even order your own damn takeout. And three, rude. Four, disrespectful. And five, no McDonald's won't taste better now, you asshat. <sighs> Next to her dead body. He's like, hey, can I use your thumbprint for your phone password? Like, fuck you. Fuck this guy. I want Olga to have like three days mm-hmm. with him just like in a chair where he can't move. Yep. And it's like, you know what, girl? 
camera is off lights out cameras off <laughs> door is closed security check not done <laughs> we don't know them okay um but we're civilized oh, whatever but just this the oh and like it shouldn't matter that she was beautiful it shouldn't matter the things that she had going for her because at the base of it she's a human she's a human but when you add in all of just that that potential and that good that she brought and the love that she had for her child and she was a new mom and she was stoked uh, she was finally doing the things that she had dreamed of and it was like for this blip in time the literal chemical warfare the wars the government issues growing up in poverty working so hard to become a lawyer becoming bilingual immigrating over it was like finally paying off and she didn't need him or his money she no. was 100 percent whole and successful and independent on her own and she happened to meet him and she was like you know what i'm here i'm so excited oh i met a man who's nice to me he's great he's introducing me to people oh I'm going to become a mom. I've always wanted to become a mom. And then this imbecile is so, I, I don't know if it's self-esteem issues or anger or both or something beyond my poor, poor middle class conceptualization. But how do you get jealous of your own fucking baby? But take all the money out of it because all the money doesn't matter. They could have been in a dingy studio apartment and the same guy could get upset about his about the mother of his child paying more attention to the baby than to him and have have a blow up, have a reaction. It was like that I think whether you grow up with money or you don't, you raise a shit kid you have a shit person oh absolutely i just can't imagine any reason for a response like this and that's the only difference i can think of because at the end of the day we are all people mm -hmm. that's it and you know i will say the only thing that i am happy about with this case is how quickly blake was charged with the murder of yana I mean, tell me he's doing life because... We'll talk about it. Blake's demeanor on the scene was described as ice cold. He pretended he didn't even know she was dead. Sir. Sir, you slept next to her dead body that you scalped and emptied of blood, bit her fucking face, and then ordered Postmates from her fucking phone. When the officer on scene told him Yana had died, he said, well, I guess you'll find out who did it then. What a turd. The coroner later came back and said that he believed Yana was alive for at least eight hours of this torture and that in his entire hours? career, he'd never seen injuries like that. Hours? Hours. The coroner likened the injuries to those that were done in war crimes. Was this just like a concept for one of his fucking... Probably. Wait, we'll get there. Are you serious? Dude, I... this He's so predictable. 
eventually this fucker went to trial and like this is just mean but he's so ugly now he got so ugly <laughs> he, really he looks did. like he has a different face and listen listen weight does not define your beauty but he did like triple in size and i hope that's guilt eating i pray it's guilt eating i hope he hates every bit of his like greedy grubby little fingies and all the postmates that he ordered on her fucking phone He went from Orlando Bloom, Mark Ruffalo, Love Child to Jared from Subway. So fucking fast. Pre the before. The before Jared. But just as fucking vile. Disgusting. Again, not because of the weight. The weight is an indicator. No, but you can you can see it in his face. He's like gray. He's like it's just like the evil has manifested more. Yes. And then there he is. And maybe he's doing better, but he went from looking, albeit incredibly on edge, but like a relatively handsome and healthy appearing man with at least enough emotion to fake a smile if he didn't mean it. Mm -hmm. And then he shows up to trial. He looks like an entirely different person. He's sad. He's disheveled. It seems like he entirely stopped taking care of himself in any facet. And I will absolutely take solace in that after what he did to women... And also what he did to Yana. Because let's not pretend that he was a fucking knight in shining armor to any other woman. The whole reason that she left was because of his fucking sexual assault on his third, count it, third girlfriend. So in his first one, he cheated while she was very pregnant Mm -hmm. and he was married. Yep. Then he gets Yana pregnant. Yeah. I'm sure he wasn't a peach. And then assaults Constance. Yeah. So he's just this monster to every woman that he's around. Yeah. Blake did have Cody who came to every day of the trial. But Blake's father never showed up to a single day. I hope if his mom was alive, she wouldn't either. I feel like that would sting him and he deserves that. He does. But I want to talk about what you said earlier, which was that he is so fucking predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to ask you to recall, hello, uh, Syndrome from earlier that we talked about, that graphic novel about like the evil scientist who finds the root of all evil and everything. Yeah, the ripoff of The Incredibles. Yes. Um, well, Blake was tested for drugs and he was only positive for like a small amount of marijuana. Another fun fact about marijuana for all of you is that it does stay in your body for weeks and can sometimes even remain over 30 days based off the amount and frequency of use. But after hearing about his consistent use, my guess is that this test was a few weeks afterwards because if it's going to be a small amount, my guess is it wasn't the same day, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, regardless That almost makes this worse because I've never met someone who became violent or angry when smoking weed. It's not like cocaine where coming down off of it leads your mood to be so shit. There's an entire phenomenon about coke rage. No, the only thing I've ever heard of someone high doing is like, whoa, I smoked too much and I ate the entire pack of Doritos and I fell asleep. I've never heard of a man doing this on weed. I've seen people so belligerently drunk they pee themselves yeah get sick pass out become violent throw punches talk shit you name it someone who gets too high uh-huh is probably gonna fall asleep on the couch might even do it sitting up yep might laugh over something that isn't that funny yeah 
and inhale a package of family size double stuff Oreos. And where's the crime? And and that's assuming that it's just mar you know, I'm saying right. just marijuana, it's not laced, it's not no, some kind is. of synthetic shit. But I'm saying like the, th- that's the not plant to say that, that you grow from the ground. It, it's not to say that there aren't significant other medical issues. I'm not like condoning and saying everyone should smoke weed. That's not it. But when you look at behaviors associated with use, if you take something like alcohol, which is much more widely accepted, right, and how people can behave and how potentially violent you can be, and then you take marijuana, and statistically we know that somebody rarely becomes more violent when high. Yep. That. This is not the, if we're saying this is the root, um, you're wrong. You're wrong. And damning in and of itself, because during the trial, again, the evidence was enough on its own. His DNA was fucking everywhere. Hers was all over him and all of that. But shit, he barricaded himself in. What do you think? He was just like, like watch somebody else do this. I'll kill him. (laughs) But I just want to note here that it was argued that the scene looks just like one in Blake's novel syndrome. What scene? The crime scene? Yeah. You mean? Just like one of the ones in syndrome. If you, I swear, Abby, Abigail, um, if you tell me can that you, he wrote about somebody doing this to somebody and then he went and did that to her. Can you look up... Uh, syndrome graphic novel blake libel on google and tell me what the cover of this looks like that is so creepy it is a plastic doll it's a baby Uh, mm -hmm. and it's scalped down to the like the part of the skull is removed yeah Mm -hmm. i'm gonna click off of that now because my stomach hurts yeah that is the cover of the graphic novel that had a death scene in it that looked quite like the crime scene. <sighs> Isn't that fucked up? That, I mean, if I were to see that out, I know this context of we've had a lot of other things on our mind during mm-hmm. this episode. But if I were to be at the pharmacy waiting in line, as you do, yeah. and I saw this on the like, cover of a magazine... I would not feel well. That is a very unsettling, uncomfortable. It doesn't even like lean on pushing it too far. It is too far. That's gross. Mm -hmm. No one need. I don't need that. I didn't need to see that today. Abigail, you know, man. uh, If that wasn't enough evidence and if the. uh, uncanny valley nature of the crime scene versus this graphic novel and even just the scalped baby doll on the front um wasn't enough blake had lost half a pinky a while ago and so there were entire full palm prints with half a pinky actually that had been found all over in yana's blood Mm. Um, so that matched pretty fucking significantly. Oh, and if you want to see a blueprint of this scene, uh, there's a CBS article with a blueprint and 48 hours in the URL that I have listed in the sources. They'll do like a full virtual tour, basically. It's pretty wild. Oh. But in June of 2018, it took the jury less than three hours to deliberate and find Blake guilty on all charges. Despite being found sane and fit to stand trial, which I'm sure he fucking tried to get out of, 
with the death penalty on the table for Blake, he was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Personally, I have no issue saying I'm not a death penalty girly, so my morality is happy, but like, it would have been a nicer punctuation. <laughs> but I am incredibly happy with an LWAP. At least there's no chance whatsoever of him getting out. And I do really want I Heart LWAP bumper sticker. Oh. <laughs> I I'm I'm upset. It doesn't get better. Is his baby being raised by Olga at least? Yes. Oh, thank God. 2018, this is so recent and I have no memory of this. Well, it's easy to keep things kind of hushed probably if you have millions of dollars, which Blake had enough that he was ordered to pay restitution in the amount of some 23-ish million dollars to Tiana's family. Which we love. I mean, sure, but they'd give every penny back to have her there. Yeah. I hope that that's all put in a trust for his daughter, who is now orphaned. We'll get there. Um, But Constance, I do just want to follow up on her real quick. Mm. Uh, The year after, in 2017, Constance Bucafuri had a restraining order filed against her by Blake's ex-wife, Amanda Braun, and Stephen Green, his accountant. They alleged that Constance had been harassing them and sending them threatening messages. Somewhere in December of 2015, when it became more romantic, I guess is like when it started, but fucking guy. After Yana had died, Stephen was instructed to sell the house that Constance was living in and to give all the proceeds of that to Amanda. This, of course, made Constance feel incredibly angry and betrayed, and she wrote in an email that she was ready to put a bullet in Stephen Green's head. Which, yes, is enough to get criminal threatening as a charge. Likely stalking and certainly restraining order, if nothing else. Also, though, like, whatever somebody gives you, they can take away. If he bought Mm -hmm. you a house, he can sell that house. I mean, I do understand being upset, especially after that man tried to sexually assault you. But, like... But did you also, at the same time, would you want to live in a house he's paying for? I'd run away. I mean, I can't... I would imagine I might run away. I would hope I would. But... Constance was also initially sentenced to three years in prison, but she was then diagnosed with unspecified schizophrenia and psychotic disorder, alcoholism, as well as a sleep disorder. So the court then vacated the motion and instead sent her to rehabilitation and an alternative sentencing program. And by the way, she is allegedly recovering and doing quite well. That being said, there's no indication that Constance had anything to do with Yana's death, which I just feel like I have to say. Just in case. This was all fucking Blake. (laughs) Oh, that would not have even crossed my mind. Okay. Now I want to finish up with Yana and her family because Yana had only been in America for a few years. Making a difference in her world with all of her hard work, determination, very happy demeanor, and fighting spirit and resilience. Unfortunately, you can't be resilient to a monster set on hurting you. And that's how this precious light went out. Survived by her entire family and now her daughter. Olga, Yana's mom, took baby Diana back to Ukraine to raise the baby with the family. Despite Fuckface's family being in the States, everyone seemed to be content with this arrangement and not one person had reached out to Olga. Are you... Wow. Not even Cody. I thought better of him. During the hearings, Olga Cassian occasionally glared at Blake. When her time came to speak, she called him a monster who had ruined her life, as well as 
that of his daughters. Mm-hmm. She would audibly whimper and cry when evidence appeared to the court, allegedly while Cody stat- sat stone cold. Mm. Olga is a champion for Yana. Not only did she bring baby Diana home to raise her, by the way, again, never hearing once from anyone in the libel family, and I wouldn't hold my breath for any of that restitution that Blake was ordered to pay. It's great in theory, but only great practice if someone actually pays it. And Olga has not received dissent from the libel family. Are you kidding? Olga also continues to do interviews and discuss Yana's case. Riddled with guilt for not breaking in the first day, Olga says she appreciates the detective's help, but feels a burden that she wasn't able to do, quote unquote, enough. Oh, that's not on her. I mean, come on. I know. I really hope she finds some peace about that. And at any given point, we're all doing the best we can with what we have. Honestly, Olga did just that. She called authorities numerous times. She didn't take no for an answer and she never gave up on her daughter. It's not her fault that the man her daughter essentially married, but definitely procreated with was an elaborate chameleon able to shape and shift his red or flags or yellow or green to convince them that it was all safe. Beyond restitution owed to the family, Olga civilly sued the libels and won, being awarded another $41 million, no, $41,000 from the family. That's it? But of course, they have yet to see a cent from either. Olga says talking about Yana makes her feel connected again. She feels her all around and she is so happy to have Diana as a little piece of living Yana still. Mm. So all in all, this was a terrible case. God damn it. Thank you again to Bethany for recommending it. I really became immersed in this one. It was wild and it's one of those that, again... Picture perfect is never the whole story. So I think it's a perfect example of why it is so important to remain safe and vigilant and championing around those who you love. Every day is a gift. Every relationship is sacred in its own right. And Olga did absolutely 11 out of 10 everything she possibly could and is still devastated from the actions of Blake Libel. So if there's one takeaway, it's to treasure the now, even while we prepare for the what ifs. I also wanted to let you all know that I did look for a place to donate to the Cassian family. I couldn't find any active links, but if I do, I'll make sure that we get it up on Instagram. I found one, but it was no longer active, so I can imagine that that's not a good place to link. Mm. But I would love, like, truly from the bottom of my heart, if there's anything I can do, any way I can find to help Olga and Diana and the whole Cassian family, I would love to. And hopefully we can do that and make fun of Fuckface while doing it. I'm never going to miss an opportunity to make fun of this turd. No. Um, I love what he's done with the hunchback. Truly. The, the hump is adding. The bags under his eyes are, in fact, designer. Ooh, my bags have bags. And um, if he killed over, the world would be better for it. Probably. What an awful, terrible. I don't have words. It, this is similar to Kellyanne Bates. Yeah. Where, like my stomach hurts and it's very it's similar. But. I. I. 
there's a comfort in knowing that no matter what he acquired, what he had, what physically mm-hmm. he had tangible, you do something like that, you pay the price for that, and there's a comfort in knowing he will never see the light of day again, that he will not be out and able to hurt people because I am sure, I have no doubt that short of being probably a bit of a prick, he's probably a pretty well-mannered inmate. Oh, probably. That if, that if he were given any other sentence where he'd be able to be out on good behavior, oh, there's would be. um what? No women to victimize in an all-men's prison. So yeah. he, I'm sure, would be an excellent inmate and would earn good behavior time. Yeah. And be out in the real world where he could harm other people. So I'm glad that his sentence is one that won't allow that. Yeah. It also reminded me a lot of, and I won't remember the exact quote, but it reminded me a lot of what one of the reporters or maybe one of the judges said in the Ted Bundy court hearings, which was like, he took out the women that were the brightest and were going to do the most for this world. Mm-hmm. And Yana, to me, feel like falls in that category. Yeah, Like she had dreams. She was positive. She wanted to make a change for the better she was going to make a difference she was on her journey to do that and it's just so odd because she meets him in 2014 has the baby in 2016 and then his trial is 2018 this whole thing from start to finish was four years yeah that is not that long of time no her not relationship think to about him. moving Across the fucking world, starting a life, beginning a relationship, getting serious enough and having a child and moving in together and then being tortured and murdered. Like. It wasn't even four. It wasn't even. Three Christmases that the couple had together. Yeah, no, that's that's difficult. Well, um. We'll have all of the sources linked below if you guys want to look through them more. I can't imagine why you'd want to. Again, if you are interested, there is that CBS like virtual walkthrough. That is not for the faint of heart. I would really only do that if you're like on the edge of your seat here looking for more. But it will be whatever the CBS link is with 48 hours and like blueprint in the long ass URL. If you want something a little more positive to read about, you can also go in and read the information on all of the plants that survived the radiation in Chernobyl. That's definitely an interesting read. But the only other takeaway I had from today's case was literally hug your moms, kiss your pets, and email that therapist. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you want to see photos of the people, places, and things that we talk about If you want to see a highlight reel with mental health resources, if you want to see one that has safety tips and other national resources and reprieves and pod pets, if you want to see all of the things, you should check out our Instagram. Abby, where would they go for that? So if they wanted to find our Instagram and all of those super cool things, they could look on their little app and search in that bubble about time for true crime pod with periods in between every word. So that is A B O U T period, T I M E period, F O R period, T R U E period, C R I M E period, P O D because podcast was too long. 
But if you wanted to email us something too long, you could do that to our email. Send us your hopes, your dreams, your pod pets, your uh, despise for this fucking guy, your love of graphic novels, because hopefully there are some that don't suck like this guy. And pretty much anything else, case recommendations, thoughts, all of it, you could email that to us. But Allie, where could they do that? If you wanted to send us an email with any or all of those things, you could send that to about time, the number four, tc at gmail.com. So that's A-B-O-U-T-T-I-M-E, numeric four, tc at gmail.com. All right, you guys, I think we all need a little something good. So go take care of yourself. Do what you got to do. And we'll see you guys next week. If I look at my clock, that was about about time time for true crime. crime. Bye. Oh, bad, right?